Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Welcome to this week's interview. If you're here for the first time or the 30th time, I'm glad you're here. I'd love to get some feedback from you on the interviews, and you can do that by going to the podcast platform you use to listen and leave a rating and a comment. That would be greatly appreciated. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and my faithful supporters via Patreon. If you're interested in getting a new single bag or multiple horn bag, or even a mouthpiece pouch, you should check out Messina Covers. David and Erica deliver both exceptional customer service and a superior quality product. They do custom orders as well, and in some really cool color options. Be sure to check them out at messinacovers.net. That's M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S dot net. The Eastman Music Company history may be short compared to some in the industry, but what's impressive is that they've risen to the level of other trusted brands. What you'll find at Eastman is a commitment to excellence and innovation. Eastman Winds have created a line of brass instruments that are becoming commonplace in top orchestras and used by respected artists worldwide. I've been playing the 825 SB flat trumpet since 2013, and I've added since the ECN 422 Shepherd's Crook B flat cornet and the EFG 512 flugelhorn. Eastman also does a great job of recognizing great instruments and designers and knows that it makes great business sense to bring those companies under the umbrella of Eastman rather than to try to start from scratch. Such is the case with SE Shires. Eastman's acquisition of Shires has ensured that the quality and innovation of the Shires instruments continues. Alongside my Eastman instruments, I also play the Shires B-flat CVLA XL trumpet and the Shires number no. 5C trumpet. I'm both fortunate and grateful to be associated with Eastman and to be a dual artist for Eastman and Shires. Please visit EastmanWinds.com and SEShires.com. One last item before we get to today's interview. If you would like to contribute financially to this podcast and support the continued delivery of access to great artists, you can do so starting out as little as $3 per month. There are five tiers of support offered, and there are some cool benefits available to you if you become a subscriber at Patreon. You can see all tiers and benefits by visiting patreon.com slash studio HFL, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Again, thank you for being here. And now, on with today's interview. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, excellent. Uh, okay. So, whatever you figured out, tell me what that was, just in case that happens on my end. Um, actually, uh, it was the, the first screen that came up said, test your audio or in, basically engage in the audio. And I think gotcha. I put test the audio. And it was working great, but I didn't engage it. Yeah. Okay. Well... How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's great to see you. Likewise. Uh, you know, it was just about a year ago, um, you know, at ITG down in Miami where we met. And uh, holy cow, I've been following you ever since on Facebook. It's like you are, you are nonstop. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay busy just like everybody else. You know? Yeah. So, hey, let me do a formal welcome. Um, Morris, okay. Northcutt, welcome to Studio HFL. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I appreciate it. It's really, kind of, it's really fun. I'm like, I'm being interviewed by a celebrity. You've been yeah. interviewed everybody on the, on the planet that like is God, God trumpet player. So it's a real honor to join you. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I don't feel like a celebrity. I honestly feel like a kid in a candy store, you know, oh, uh, being okay. able to, and, and you watched what happened at, at ITG last year. I mean, everybody is so approachable. Everybody yeah, is, is willing to, to share and, you know, um, I think all you have to do is ask. That, that's what I've been finding out is you ask. Now, a few people have been kind of hesitant uh, to do this, but uh, I, I've talked a couple of them into it. Uh, Dan Gosling, actually, <laughs> you know, the chop saver guy. Oh, yeah. It took me almost yes. a year to get him to, uh, to agree. And I finally got an interview with him just last week, so. That's awesome. I was very happy with it. Yeah, and we we uh, had a fun chat about it, and I was I was hesitant as well. It's like you know what what am I going to say? You know, it's like I'm yeah. I'm just a trumpet player, but um, but it's <laughs> it's certainly fun. Yeah. So uh, you're in your home. It looks like out in. Are you in Seattle? Yeah. Uh, I'm south of Seattle. I'm in the Tacoma area, uh, Tacoma, gotcha. Washington area, and uh, but it's yeah, it's a beautiful beautiful place to be. Um, this time of year as the weather's starting to change it just looks it's amazing it's mm -hmm. really cool to be mm -hmm. here so you know i've only been to seattle tacoma area once and uh, it did not live up to that you know like when people think of england they think it just rains all the time oh yeah. but when i was there it was sunny and beautiful and uh, uh really enjoyed uh, the few days that we were there but, uh, we get all the seasons here. That's what makes it so beautiful here, you know. Mm -hmm. And nothing is overly extreme. I and mean, we'll get snow, but but not really that much. And and mm -hmm. it's just a it's great. It's super super uh, predictable in a sense that it's unpredictable. I mean, you just plan for everything. That's all. But mm -hmm. but it's not anything extreme. That's great, great place. And today, I think it's supposed to reach the mid mid seventies this weekend. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've got a we've got a forecast for 28 degrees tonight, and I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? You know, my my uh, wife, uh, you know, she's like, she's already got flowers outside. She's thinking oh, I'm going to have to cover them or bring them in, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, well, you know, we're not here to talk about the weather. Uh, we're <laughs> here to talk about whether or not we should keep playing trumpet. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I have a good, uh, my, my measure of whether or not I want to keep playing trumpet um, is, is uh, I'm not kidding when I tell you every time I open the case when I pull my trumpet out, I get the jitters. I'm so excited about it. And when that goes away, that's probably when it's time to, to, to hang it up. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still, still loving it. Well, so let's talk trumpet a little bit. And, you know, this is not a gearhead podcast so you know there's not going to be any. oh darn i had all my mouthpieces lined up here to show you <laughs> all right fine well you know <laughs> well, i'll edit it no. out go ahead you can <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. so yeah. well you know what i i will start by saying uh talk a little bit about gear you posted uh a picture on facebook i don't know two three or so weeks ago uh bach consumer sent you some really beautiful looking trumpets a couple of b flats were those to to trial or what was that no i i uh, i bought them and um uh they they're gold plated um bach 43 190 43s and mm -hmm. they are 
stunning. Um, and uh, so I'm going to have some horns to sell, of course, now that, that mm -hmm. I, I want to keep these two. But they're, they're, uh, what's so fun about, about them is they, they both play incredibly well. But, you know, they're still handcrafted, essentially, instruments. So they, they, they do play just a little bit different uh, mm -hmm. from each other. And that's, that's really, really interesting. But they're, they're amazing to play. And I almost don't want to, to hold them too much. I might, you know, but it's, it's great. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're beautiful horns. Yeah. So uh, do they match? I mean, did you, did you play test them and uh, choose horns that were slightly different for different reasons? What were your thoughts behind that? Um, you know, the, the, I typically, the, my first approach is when I'm, when I'm trying to try new horns out or whatever, I'm, I'm always testing out how it feels. The sound, yeah, the sound is different, but, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's sort of like uh, our sound is sort of like our, um, like our fingerprint and, mm. you know, it carries with us wherever we go and it's, and it's your signature or your, yeah, it's your stamp. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we can create the sound that we want in our head at some point, whether, whether, what, no matter what horn it is. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to make sure it feels comfortable and it can do what I want it to do. And mm -hmm. as a soloist, that's, that's the thing, you know, um, it's gotta be, it's gotta be flexible enough. And then when you're in a concert band or something for me, you know, I, I've been playing in a community concert band, um, for, a, a lot of my life, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, that requires so much flexibility. You got to be strong enough and it's got to be narrow enough so you can hear yourself in that on big ensemble. But mm -hmm. when you're soloing, you've got to be able to, at least for me, I like to have that, that broadness or the flexibility of style changes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why I, I play what I'm playing, but mm -hmm. that's the only things I'm sort of looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, what had you been playing prior to getting these 190s? Oh, okay. So I, I was playing a 19043, but it was a, a lacquer plated horn. Mm -hmm. And then prior to that, I've gone through a lot of box, um, but I rarely ever play the 37s. I played the 18043, um, which was obviously the older, the 80s and 90s generation. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're fine horns, but the, the 19043s sort of take me back to the um, Elkhart, the early Elkhart era, mm -hmm. which is my sort of my favorite um, era of trumpets mm -hmm. and so sort of kind of launched into the modern times and mm -hmm. modern sound that we kind of needed in our mm -hmm. bands and orchestras and whatnot so yeah so I've been playing box for a long time well and and you're quite the uh, spokesperson for them too you've been a performing artist for them for how long um, a couple of years um, since uh, 2017, around, uh, actually, what is today? <laughs> so since uh, mm -hmm. I, not that I'm uh, keeping track, but around May, uh, <laughs> May sometime uh, mm -hmm. in 2017, I became a Bach artist. So I'm trying to think, was Lonnie Wagner uh, still there? Uh, Lonnie was, was not there. Um, Oh, you're talking about Ted Wagner was there. Well, his so, son, uh, his son Lonnie uh, has yeah. has taken a, I think, taken that spot. But uh, yeah, so yeah. so Ted Ted was there, and um, uh, uh, Jeff Christiana was there. Oh, sure, of course, Jeff's with and Eastman so think, now. Yeah. Yes, yes, he is, and so um, those were the was the guys that were hanging around and were, mm -hmm. were pretty amazing people to to get to know. You know, it's fascinating. 
I'm an Eastwind Shires uh, artist, and I've gotten to know Jeff really well, but talking to him and hearing somebody, and Fred Powell the same way, hearing somebody who has such a deep knowledge of the product is, I mean, I, I have no response to him. I just, I soak it all in, but I'm thinking, how do you guys think like this? Yeah. You know, it's, and they're so good at what they do. You know, of course, Yamaha has Bob Malone and, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot his name, uh, in New York, uh, edit point. <laughs> There's going to be an edit point right there. Uh, uh Wayne Tanabe. That's who I was trying oh, to think yeah. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There, there. You know, uh, going back to to Jeff, uh, what a gift it is for you to have that opportunity to chat with him uh, whenever you probably need to or like mm-hmm. to, because that guy can play and he really knows the instruments um, yeah. really, really well. I mean, they're incredibly knowledgeable and and super nice guy. So I, yeah. I uh, sort of owe him a lot in terms of the, the support he showed me when I first came on as Buck Artist because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody, you know, and, and to, to then take me in and, and say you're part of this mm-hmm. uh, family was what says a lot about his character. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. So let's talk about being a nobody who does such a great job at the social media, uh, having a presence on Instagram and Facebook. And I don't know, you probably do Twitter and Snapchat and uh, I, I, but you're so savvy with it. And, you know, you've also got a really good photographer. I don't know who that is, but you know, the, the product that you put out, I, I hate calling it a product, but you know, I mean, it is, I get you, though. I get you. Um, mm-hmm. is really high quality. You know, when you put stuff out there and, and now your micro concerts, right. You know, uh, the, the presentation is, uh, wow. You know, it looks good. It sounds great. And uh, yeah, so I think, you know, you might consider yourself still a nobody, but uh, I think there are an awful lot of people who uh, would readily disagree with that. Well, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. You know, but when, um, you know, I'm not uh, affiliated with a, uh, a university, you know, I'm not an adjunct professor or something like that. And so the, the exposure is, is, significantly limited for somebody like me, even though I am a Bach artist. Um, what I recognized was that I have to, um, you know, I've got to do the social media thing to make sure that I'm, I'm out there so people know who I am if, mm-hmm. if they're interested in what I have to offer mm-hmm. um, and leverage the opportunities I have. So like with Bach, I've, I've leveraged that. And so that's a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I use it, definitely use that to my advantage. And I try to support other people, which I think is an incredibly important thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it might seem like a small thing to some people uh, and they don't do it oftentimes is to share um, things that they're seeing or they like. Um, support, just supporting others, I think, is a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing. Um, it always sen- tends to come back all of us so i think that's important not mm-hmm. to forget about but i but again i do the social media to to make sure the product is my product as you you put it is is out there but you also have to have a good product so <laughs> you know be, be careful about putting what you know putting stuff out there you know mm-hmm. if you have an opportunity i, I remember going back I, I, like in in high school we'd have these tape tests you know 
<laughs> and I am dating myself. Ooh, but, I just, but, I had a, I had a shiver. You mentioned uh, that. I'm like, Ooh, I know exactly yeah, yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, and, and I could never understand when in, in high school where, where somebody would put, put their, submit their tape to, to band class for their, for their test. And it wasn't perfect. I couldn't quite, at least as perfect as we could understand at that mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's, if it's not perfect, why, why isn't it not perfect? So if you're putting something out on the internet, it's there for, for virtually ever, right? For pretty much forever. Mm -hmm. Put out your best. Um, why would you put anything less than that out? At least that, that's, uh, I, for me personally, it's just not really where I, I, I can understand. So, um, and, and again, I have a lot to, um, to lose and I don't, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm doing as, the best I can out there, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So. There is an awful lot of sharing right now. I mean, this, if anything, uh, and it this has been a conversation been, yes. and, and it's great. And a lot of really high quality uh, things. I love what Rex Richardson does. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even with the new haircut that he's got, you know, he's, <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are brothers. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's about the extent of it. We share the same haircut, but <clears throat> you know, there's, uh, there's so many great people and I love the, the challenges, you know, somebody puts up some repertoire and everybody gets a chance to record themselves. And I think, you know, and, and I have an adult student who participates in this practically every day. And he's like, and I tell him, I say, I can't believe you're doing this. He goes, I got nothing to lose. He goes, I'm not like, you know, a working pro who could, could kind of risk, <laughs> you know, it's like a, a high wire act. Right. I mean, yeah. You don't want to put yourself out, but he's, and he's loving it. And so he takes this challenge almost every day, records it awesome. and puts himself out there. And, you know, and even he will say <clears throat> it's not perfect, but you know, there's mm. some accountability. I think that's crept into that to where he's making sure that I think the next time it's going to even be uh, that much better. Well, I think those are, those are, um, a completely different angle. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people to grow as a musician. I'm coming from a different approach. And so oh, sure. we're, we're all sort of taking advantage of that social media aspect. I think it's all good in, in those regards. As long as, as long as the expectation is, is there, you know, you know what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. You're going into it for this reason or that reason. That's totally great. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not knocking those kinds of opportunities, but going back to these um, folks that are, that are putting out, um, things like Rex is doing. What a great time to be in, <laughs> in, involved in the social media stuff because I'm, I am with you. I'm trying to take in as much of this stuff as I can. Mm -hmm. um, it's all out there. I mean, how often do you get to, 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 to engage with these folks? And a lot of them, um, you know, and I'm doing the same, but, but, but uh, a lot of them are, are doing um, you know, Zoom lessons and that they normally, when they don't normally do that, they're just too, mm -hmm. too busy and they're, they're available. And mm -hmm. that's a, that's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. So speaking of uh, teaching, you say you're not associated with the university, but right. um, do, do you teach? I do. Um, I, oftentimes I get, uh, I get to ask to, to do, um, lessons and they're usually one-off lessons one or two off lessons and they are about musical phrasing or or you know very specific kinds of things even uh, an oboist or bassoonist has approached me and said hey can we 
go over this. I'm preparing for something coming up. And um, so I do a lot of that. I love that kind of work. Um, one thing that, that as I'm going through a lot more and recently a, even a big push for, for Zoom uh, lessons from students, um, it, one benefit I'm here, I'm hearing, able to hear more um, down the bell. I can hear what they're doing with their breathing. I normally, you know, you're not going to be sticking your head down the bell to listen when you're, when you're doing a one-on-one in person, but you can, you can hear it much better through Zoom. Um, So there's some advantages in in doing a Zoom lesson Mm -hmm. and I can, I can hear what they're doing. I can hear them take a breath before they play and they're hesitating before they they play that first note. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. You know, you can catch them right then and help them out. I think it's a, I think there's some fun, fun things there. So, I mean, there's a lot of limitations too, but, but I'm always looking for the positives of this stuff. Yeah. Well, and of course, uh, this is going to spawn, I think, uh, an exponential increase in the quality of, of audio and video, right? I mean, Zoom is good and I think is already getting better, but who knows what's going to be out there down the road. I mean, it, maybe it's going to be like, uh, I don't know why I just thought Star Trek quality, you know, right? Where across right. the galaxy is clear, uh, and and the timing, you know, where there's no no lag at all on anything. Sure, I bet. I yeah, I would imagine uh, virtual reality will somehow get involved in this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you can you can put on some headgear and and be standing right next to them. And yeah. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty pr- crazy and fun. And, and if you can only empty your spit uh, on their feet somehow. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. yeah. So uh, let's talk about your playing. Um, love the sound. I mean, it is just, it's, it's effortless. Um, and, uh, you know, we all model somebody or many people. Um, you talk about your musical fingerprint. Um, who's helped compose that musical fingerprint that you have? Well, um uh, I, I, who knows why I gravitated to the trumpet originally, but, um, what sort of lit a fire in me was the, some early, really early recordings of Harry James, mm. uh, and the, the recordings that I, I'm referring to though, are not the schmaltzy era. They are the early forties era. He literally sounded like a violin in many of those solos, very lyrical, long phrasing, beautiful tone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was clearly listening to a lot of vocalists. And um, one, I think he even mentioned somewhere um, in, in some biography I might have read or whatever, but um, that one of the most influential musicians was a vocalist and it was Julie Garland. Mm. And, uh, and so that tells you a lot about what he was, mm-hmm. he was after. Um, but you know, that's that's the jazz sort of the swing big band era. There's Randy Brooks, of course, and mm-hmm. Billy Butterfield. A lot of people with big tones, um, big sounds, mm-hmm. and then of course the, the you know the Phil Smith or the no, right. uh, um, um, gosh, I mean, there's just there's there's tons. Hans Ganshu is mm-hmm. one of my most favorite cornet sound um, <laughs> ever. Hokan. Uh, Ole mm-hmm. Antonsen, of course, he right. uh, he he was out at PLU, um, you know, in the '90s, and I was just completely blown away mm-hmm. by that guy. But those sounds, you know, I like to take a little of all of those. What I don't want is, um, you know, I, I'm playing for 
I, I want to play for, for, for people who want to hear good music. Now, I know that sounds a little cheesy, but I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at, though, is, is the focus isn't other trumpet players, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's not the HFL. It's, it's, it's just to um, make good music and, and move people. You know, I've told this, mm-hmm. this um, story a few times where um, I had this, one of many aha moments, but, or um, moments of encouragement. As I was do, playing Gabriel Zobo um, on my piccolo trumpet, it's the same arrangement, um, very similar arrangement to Ryan Anthony's that mm-hmm. he did with the orchestra. So I, did, I had performed this at a church a few years ago and and this uh, little old lady came up with, with her adult daughter and they sh- she was shuffling up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, you know, it was beautiful. And I'm thinking, you know, that's touching and, and all that stuff. She says, but um, just want you to know, you know, my, my husband passed away um, last week and he loved that piece and we had his memorial service on Friday, which would have been just a couple of days before mm-hmm. I played on, on Sunday. And, and, um, and she said, we, we had that music going for the memorial service mm-hmm. and they're then beginning to just really go. And then there I am too. I'm starting to ball and man, that connection. Wow. is mm-hmm. just exactly why I try to play for that type of audience. You know, that's mm-hmm. who I want to reach and, and touch. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, you know, you probably won't find me playing a lot of Ken Cannon or the Halsey Stevens or things, you know, like mm-hmm. that. You, it's great literature, incredibly challenging. And, you know, the Tomasi is, those are fun, fun to work on as a trumpet player, mm-hmm. but, but you probably won't find me doing that. You might find me doing Gottschitz's arrangement of Rhapsody in Blue or, you know, very challenging and they have their own challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's where I'm, I'm coming from. You know, I don't even this, know if I answered your question. I'm sorry about that. You did. <laughs> and, and, and very well, it's, it's too bad. I forgot to push record where I have to go back. Oh, no. <laughs> Just oh. kidding. Oh, I, I, I try I to work that. Answer. I try to work that joke into every episode, but uh, I almost believed you for a split. <laughs> no, I was going to say as one reason I admire Sergey so much is of course he can play all the trumpet rep but mm-hmm. uh i think in, in a sense the way i view it is he's given trumpet players permission to step outside of the tomasi and the halsey stevens he's playing great music the cello repertoire the violin repertoire uh art song you know the the schubert the Mahler song mm-hmm. cycles and 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 with such expression and it's just, you're choosing a different voice, right? It's, it, right. it might have, you know, I had a cellist uh, get mad at me for, for wanting to do one of those transcriptions. And I'm like, but it's good music, you know, yeah, why, you right. know, why not? Um, yeah. And you t- I don't think what you said was cheesy at all. Uh, uh, going back to wanting to play for people who want to hear good music. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a really strong desire to hear good music played really well. And, um, you know, people i think really appreciate when others like yourself uh, offer that and hokan uh well now speaking specifically for trumpet players you've seen him uh, i think he's done the first three charliers now have you seen those videos i have i have i mean and and you know 
from a phrasing standpoint, would you ever play the Charlier's the same way? I know, <laughs> I know. And, and, and that's sort of, but, the, but again, um, well, yeah. And that's, that's sort of the whole point of the Charlier. Just, I know we're getting a little off topic, but that is sort of the point of the Charlier. It isn't, I know it's technical and, and that, that oftentimes I get approached by students wanting to play some of this Charlier and, and okay, they got the mechanics down, but what about mm -hmm. the music part of it? That's what you're playing is music. Mm -hmm. You're not, this is, you know, um, doesn't matter what you're doing. It should all be always, I mean, that's all my instructors were, were incredibly um, consistent. And I think it just, it really, it really um, kind of instilled in my, my brain super deep about playing musically and, and with passion and, mm -hmm. and uh, intentionality about everything you're doing. And so that, that's, that's been, I've been lucky. Well, there's a, that's a great segue. Well, here we are at the middle of the interview. Just a reminder for you to visit Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and S.E. Shires for access to top-shelf instruments. All three businesses provide exceptional customer service and will help put the right instruments and cases into your hands. Now back to today's interview. Um, let's talk about uh, people you studied with who influenced mm -hmm. you along the way. Um, I went to the University of Puget Sound. And um, I studied with um, um, Jeff, um, Jeffrey Burglar, who was the uh, second trumpet player of the Seattle Symphony. So Jeff Burglar was, um, was my trumpet instructor there. I, um, my first trumpet instructor was Francis McCamey, who, you, you know, most, most people, I'm certain no one knows who she is. Um, she still teaches in the, in the Catholic school system uh, up north, and, and she had me... She's the one that was so um, significant in terms of focusing on my sound. You know, she had me uh, practicing in every room in the house. So I can get, you know, part of it was to get mm. comfortable not being comfortable in an environment, but also like in bathrooms in that big echoey room mm -hmm. to try to fill up that sound. Um, she, and she had me listening to, to everybody. Yeah, she had, I mean, mm -hmm. One of them, obviously, I left out was um, Maurice Andre, which was just <laughs> phenomenal. Everything was so easy for him um, in terms of the at least outwardly appearance. You know, everything was very relaxed, and I love that. I love that kind of playing. That's um, so. I yeah, and then I had a lot of one-offs. I did study um, with uh, um, um, gosh, I was one of my idols. I, I almost mixed up his name. Don Fagerquist is one of my idol uh, mm -hmm. hero trumpet players. Um, but uh, let's see here. Don, my, Don Lanfear was one I studied for a semester, who is a saxophone player for Fats Navarro. I studied jazz from him for a semester. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, going back to um, Jeff Burglar, he was a student of Gerard Schwartz over at Juilliard. Mm -hmm. And so the, I'm hoping that sort of came into my to my world a little bit sure uh, but a lot of a lot of one-off lessons and then i took um i wouldn't say i took off from playing but i had a, a lapse in real focus of my playing because i was in the restaurant business i owned a restaurant for about 12 years okay and and so you know um i i tell this to a lot of people is that if you if you think you're just maintaining you're going backwards and so and that's exactly what was happening with me i was thought I was maintaining, but I was kind of slipping back and I, I kind of knew it and I stopped taking uh, 
you know, the orchestra calls and, 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 and things and just kind of coasted along. And it wasn't until I had a series of these, um, you know, personal losses, like friends and family who, who were passing away and uh, close friends starting around 2011. And then my father passed away in 2015. And somewhere between that, that, that time period, I started really recognizing that I wanted to get music back into my life much more significant than it was. Mm -hmm. And, and then what am I going to do with it? I mean, I don't want to go in the practice room and just fiddle around. I just, some people like doing that because it, 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 they, they, there's something there for them on that. But for me, I, I want to get in that practice room, get serious about it and do something with it and then share it. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's been, been, a big motivator is all of this stuff that's been going on for, for mm -hmm. several years. I mean, I, it's not meant to be a, a downer, but I'll give you sort of this ex, sort of a very quick um, timeline is um, a trumpet player, buddy of mine, very close friend of mine um, died in a motorcycle accident in 2011. Mm. And then I had two music um, mentors of mine and close friends died later 2011 and then 2012. Then my father um, uh, had a heart attack in 2013. And then my mother died of cancer in 2015, a year and a half after my, my father did. And you know that you can't go through that without it having sort of change you and figure out what you want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got a, a wonderful family. Um, you know, I've got these great kids and I'm married to my best friend and all that's great. We're just talking about the art, art side of, mm -hmm. of, of, of my life. And, uh, and that's when I started really focusing on, on what I wanted, practicing my tail off, and that has not stopped. I've got so much to, to learn and to catch up on. And, and the, more I, the more I study and the more I practice, the more I realize I know nothing about the trumpet. And I've got, so, <laughs> I've got a long way to go. So, um, you know, and that whole 10,000 hours, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's, yeah. it's, some people are slow learners like me, and it takes 20,000 hours. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's, uh, that is an awful lot to go through, and, and I'm really sorry for the, for the loss. I mean, that's obviously very significant. Uh, it, it was. It was, but, you know, um, you know it shapes us, it make, and we, you know, I, I could choose to just kind of go in a hole, or I can come out of this thing and, and, uh, and be mm -hmm. better and be able to share some some mm -hmm. good things and uh, there are a lot a lots of um a lot of good things have come come out of that too so mm -hmm. it's good hey i forgot you mentioned about who else i studied with bobby shu is another significant piece of that flown out there how could you forget that name and, nah, <laughs> and well some of some of the um later on in life i've taken the lessons from these folks these were not folks that i've taken as a as a young player sure um so yeah so bobby she was another another person i wanted to chat with him and learn more much more about how he um, breathes and um you know all that good stuff so mm -hmm. did you get a lot from that um i did and um not all good and that isn't a reflection of bobby Shu. it's a, mm -hmm. it's just that it's so much information um when in fact i was I, I now, a few years later, realized that breathing, um, I, I can't do the whole breathing exercises and the over-breathing. I need to be relaxed 
Um, I play significantly better when I'm relaxed and, um, you know, only taking as much air as you're going to use. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's the, yeah. So anyway, that's, I just find that I can tend to overthink it. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, a few years ago, I, I decided this is how I was going to approach my students with breathing, breathe, take the breath for the phrase at hand, mm -hmm. right? Not every breath um, needs to be that, you know, That's that, right. that, and, and uh, I was talking to Peter Bond a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. and he's another one who just like you uh, believes that we should breathe like singers, you know, and just free and relaxed. And there it is, you know, and uh, it's interesting when you interview people to hear, now, I, I'm great at arguing. I, I think I could be a professional arguer. Um, but what I've avoided on these interviews is when somebody presents a maybe a perspective or a view that I haven't thought about with some pedagogical aspect, I, I, I haven't jumped on anybody, you know, because I'm thinking, let them share. And obviously, this is what works for them and many, many, many others. And then the next person will say something and it works for them and many, many others. And, you know, you, I think maybe like you're saying with uh, Bobby Shu is you glean what you can, what, what makes sense, uh, what makes you better, and you take that and you move on. And I don't think it's a slight against Bobby or, or any. I mean, you know, uh, I've had some fantastic teachers along the way. I don't know that any of them ascribed to exactly the same thing one to the next. You know, you know, there, it's 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 just like um, um, you know, you just take all of these little pieces of every every person you've studied or that you study um, their music and how they play and all these. You take these little elements and you decide what's going to work best because um, we have we ultimately have to teach ourselves how to play the trumpet. Nobody can mm -hmm. teach us really. Mm -hmm. And so, as as educators, I mean, I'm out there um, doing what I love, which is soloing with uh, ensembles around the country and, and actually in, in Europe as well, and then doing master classes. And, and that, um, gosh, uh, I, I want to talk about something I, I, before I forget though, about this mm -hmm. breathing thing mm -hmm. is that um, what, what people do have to do though, is, is be very aware of how much air is required to do any particular phrase. In other words, you should be, it should be, you, you should be so in tune to how you breathe and how you play the instrument that when you're sight reading a piece, you can say, you know what, just by looking at it, mm -hmm. I know how much air I'm gonna need to make that one phrase. And that is, that's easier said than done from the clinics I'm pre I present. Um, having students, okay, play this, but I don't, I don't want you to breathe in the middle of that. And so they'll, go through the eight bars and at the end and they'll and they'll they'll still still want to breathe somewhere in the middle okay no 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 don't breathe okay so then they'll they'll play the phrase they'll get to the end or they won't make it to the end well these they didn't take enough air in mm -hmm. right i'm not saying take more i'm just saying take enough mm -hmm. and we have to practice that we have to practice understanding how much air we need um to make that phrase and and if they just have to do it um but it's, it's uh, any more than that for me, I just get totally tense. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I, I like that. I think the audience can feel it when you're tense and, and um, so. The 150 uh, songs for phrasing art songs uh, in the Arvins, they might seem dated and a little cheesy, but when it comes to truly learning phrasing, they are still, I think, some of the best material out there. And if, if students uh, could actually follow, you know, the little breath marks or commas in that and, and learn to think from a lyrical standpoint, I think if you could make it through all of those tunes, uh, tunes, that's kind of degrading to call oh, them okay. tunes, but, but you know, yeah. that, uh, that's something that really lacks is that sense of that, that lyrical, that vocal phrasing. Uh, and, you know, it's not just trumpet players that are guilty of it. I think there are a lot of uh, other musicians, uh, string players that forget to breathe sometimes too. But. Absolutely. You know, but we, we're just, we're, we're linear players, of course. And, and, um, and, and we don't typically have lyrics to follow. So, you know, those, those cadences in, in, in words and sentences and whatnot, they're just not there. So I, mm -hmm. I understand the reason. Um, we just have to kind of focus on that a little bit. And my, like I said, I have most of my instructors at the university of Detroit sound, were um, always talking about that. And so I, I couldn't escape, escape that learning part of it. It was really, really I was really lucky. Uh, we're gonna take a left turn for a second because I wanna go back to, um, you owned a restaurant? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind? What, and were you the was, owner uh, or the manager? What? I, I was the, the, I was all of the above. Um, I, uh, Basically, I was the University of Puget Sound, and I was just finishing up. I was a mathematics major and a music minor. Had a music scholarship though, and mm -hmm. was playing in everything, um, as you can imagine. And a couple of years before I finished up, my parents had a little um, hole-in-the-wall motel, and they and this restaurant next door um, came up for sale. The restaurant and the the building and all that. Mm -hmm. And they thought, well, naturally, you got this little motel you got to have to have a little restaurant too mm -hmm. and so um, they bought this thing but but had no idea what they were doing in in as far as restaurant goes you know that's a different totally different animal and mm -hmm. that's not a, a knock at them it's just they just they, they didn't really know that and uh and nor did i and so mm -hmm. i thought why but i thought well so that they were bought ready to lose it really and um near the end of uh, when it was graduation time. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm real, I could do anything I want. So I'm thinking I, I'm, I was so cocky and in my head and I, and I thought I could do this. So I went in there and I, I ran it and it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And I wow. basically didn't earn any money for, for several years. And then, um, you know, what I ended up doing was buying the business from my, and the, and the building from my parents mm -hmm. in lieu of any, any type of money, just couldn't, um, couldn't afford to pay me. So I was doing the management stuff and the hiring and the firing. We were mm -hmm. open 24 hours a day. I had about 22 employees mm -hmm. and you learn a lot about everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I even learned how to cook because, you know, you don't want to be a hostage in your own business when right. your cook shows up intoxicated or something, you know, and yeah. you got to send them home. Yeah. So it was an incredible experience though. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You, you learn about people, mm -hmm. you learn about how, um, and you learn about marketing and you learn about, yeah, it was just, it was a great experience. Fun though, too. 
lots of uh, military right by the military base. So we mm-hmm. did a, a lot of breakfasts, um, and uh, and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those there, there were some really fun elements of that. Mm-hmm. How long were you involved in that? Uh, twelve, <clears throat> uh, about twelve years, and oh my and gosh, started, yeah. And then I started doing um, uh, probably about eight years in or so. I started um, leveraging it to buy and sell, um, selling. Uh, properties doing some flips mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I did I had a good time with that that was great and I still <laughs> ran the restaurant and then and then it was time um, mm-hmm. to to sell so I ended up mm-hmm. selling land and building on that and yeah and from there started holding properties and and yeah. so I have I have some yeah. so are you a good cook good chef uh, I don't know um, well I guess I am because I'm, I do all the cooking at, at home. And so uh, nobody would dare criticize my cooking in my house because otherwise they'll have to cook. But, you know, I just no, kind of wondered I if when, when you were forced to, to cook, you know, it's like, man, you, you uh, trial, the trial by fire. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, there were, there were many, many times where I, I get to work at five in the morning to do, you know, payroll or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And my cook, uh, wouldn't show up. And so I ended up cooking at 6am running that breakfast mm-hmm. shift. And then my, my dinner, dinner cook would either quit or whatever. And so I'd run two shifts in a row and then my graveyard shift would show up late. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, lots of those days. And mm-hmm. it's all right. It's all right. It's it definitely, definitely part of the shaping process of, mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So we'll take a right turn. We'll go back to trumpet. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, you mentioned a, a concert band uh, that you play in. Is this a community group? Uh, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like a lot of uh, uh, trumpet players that that are at a certain level. I mean, I've done the the Tacoma Symphony um, subbing for for many years. Now it's called the Symphony Tacoma. There was some Seattle uh, Chamber Group, um, Seattle Symphony members Chambers Group that I, I performed with, and mm-hmm. lots of recording things. But one thread in my life what's been really wonderful is this community wind ensemble called the Tacoma Concert Band and I'm president of the Tacoma Concert Band mm-hmm. and it's really where my, my wife and I met too we met in that, that community wind ensemble so mm-hmm. I played in that actually I was recruited um, by the, the former um, director Robert Musser he recruited me when I was 18 years old um, and had been, have been playing in that group ever since so a long mm-hmm. time and um, it's really a great group of people, and I'm having—I have a lot of fun with that group. And they obviously were—they were very forgiving of me because of those 10, 12, 14, 15 years of coasting mm-hmm. along, whatever you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, to sit in, in that principal spot. Mm-hmm. But it's a—it's a lot of fun. Um, I—that's all I can really do on a regular basis, um, juggling everything that I have. Uh, in, in my life and, and, and traveling to Europe. I mean, I, like a lot of people, my gigs were canceled, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, going to, to France and to London to perform and to do master classes and, mm-hmm. and different parts of the country. I have a CD project that got tabled for right now. Um, mm-hmm. My first um, CD was, was supposed to come out in the spring and, um, actually come out in the summer and we were going to record in the spring and that all mm-hmm. got canceled. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll get back there again, but mm-hmm. lots of um, 
I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I mean, I, I know you didn't ask me that question, but that's exactly, I'm just doing what I want to do. I just want to mm -hmm. do those kinds of things. Um, one of my, 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 another trumpet hero, uh, Don Jacoby. Oh yeah. Who, who never actually, I don't think he actually officially taught at the university of, of Texas or university of North Texas, but he had many of their students in, in his studio. And then he traveled around the world and, and did clinics and, and, and performed with bands and college mm -hmm. bands and, and uh, orchestras. And that's uh, just, I love that. I mm -hmm. love that. And he was an amazing player, but I, I, I love that type of um, uh, thing. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Yeah. So uh, this recital or recitals that you took with you on your uh, European tour. Mm, yes. Um, what uh, I'm curious, what what kind of programming would you have on there? Uh, yeah, it was all all pretty light, uh, light playing. Um, you know, I although I did the the Slavish uh, Slavish fantasy, the Carl Hohn cornet. I only just learned that this semester. What a fantastic piece of music! It's got everything in there. It's a gypsy violin piece, right? It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's technical. Yeah. It can be as difficult as you want it to be. Yeah. And, it, and it's a blow because it's, yeah. it, there are no virtually no breaks in that thing. Right. I did the the um, Philip Sparks uh, song and dance piece. Oh, so let's go back to uh, Hans Gonch, right? That's the first time. I heard him as a soloist. He played that piece with a brass band. Mm -hmm. And on cornet, of course, what an amazing sound. Yes. It, it just, and so yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm, that's why I'm a fan of his, is that sound is just magical. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I, I've performed that with, um, with a brass band with a couple of times. I've performed that with a, a couple of wind ensembles. Mm -hmm. I've done, I took that on tour and did that with piano. And mm -hmm. it's, it's such a great piece. Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, Danny mm -hmm. Boy, Dance Napolitan, which was um, obviously the Doc Schutzer arrangement. Yeah. I had a couple of custom arrangements done, um, a couple of new pieces. And then I also did Zelda, which is another cornet piece mm -hmm. by um, Percy Code. That's a brass band piece, but, mm -hmm. uh, but a, great, a great trumpet solo, very mm -hmm. difficult. Wow, we just kind of mixed it up a little bit, and uh, I did. I was at the, you know, scaled it down and and kind of made things a little more technical and exciting when I was at the Royal Irish Academy of Music, to, uh, played there and they did a, a master class. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Boy, mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's a totally different world when you're, you know, you get up in the morning and you show up somewhere you don't know where you're going and you you. <laughs> you meet new people and it's so exciting though it's really yeah. fun I, i'm just yeah love it. I, I love the programming you know it, it's so different like if you were going to program for an itg conference you would expect to hear like the halsey stevens or doesn't close or some right all the big stuff yeah. uh, but i the program you just uh listed to me sounds like something i would want to go and sit and listen to because it's I think that kind of music, and there, especially the variety, is so engaging. You've got so much variety uh, in there, and I, I wish more people would program along that line. You know, let's please our audience. Let's offer them some great music. And, and yeah, well, I had a trumpet professor show up to one of my recitals, um, the, my kickoff uh, before I went to Ireland. So it was it was locally here, and and um, he's a he's a fine trumpet player, and. Um, he came up to me and you might know him. He's a new, um, 
Shire's artist, I think. I think it's who, Shire's, uh, Zach, it? uh, Zach, Zach Lyman. I don't know from, that name yet. From Pacific Lutheran University. Mm -hmm. He came up to me and, and maybe he doesn't want me to share this, but I, I just laughed my head off because it was like, yes, this is why I play. He came up to me and he says, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, but it said, but it also said that I was, I had a good balance, you know, yeah. of, of some of the technical things, but mm -hmm. also, you know, the other folks that were there that, that loved the, the music as, a, mm -hmm. as something that inspired them. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what I want to want to do. Mm -hmm. If I ever do play at ITG, you, you know, um, you still won't hear the Halsey Stevens. Um, you know, we've heard it so many times. Um, I've also heard some, and you have too, some incredible players on the most, the best players on the planet have played those pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if I could do it differently enough um, to make a difference. And so, mm -hmm. and then again, the musical side of it, I'm not sure if that mm -hmm. really meets kind of the standard I'm looking for, at least right now in my playing career. Mm -hmm. Well, there are people out there who do those things. You know, it's like, and I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be that person. And personally, the Jolivets and those things, they, they're, they're great, but they don't appeal to me as something I'd want to program. You know, I love doing, uh, because of Sergei, you know, doing uh, a couple of trumpet pieces. I think Trumpeter's Lullaby, as simple as it is, is one of the biggest crowd pleasers and it's fun to play, you know, why not program mm -hmm. stuff like that? Or some of the Arvin, some really obscure Arvin cornet solos I just came across right. uh, and I can't re recall the name of it, but you know, stuff that would, uh, I, I love playing lyrically, mm -hmm. right? I'll leave the technical stuff to the guys that can do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, yeah. so it's, I think we find our niche so if, if you have a, a recital at ITG, I don't think people are going to come to hear uh, and compare you to other people. I think uh, they're going to come and hear Morris for who he is, you know? Well, you know, I am, do, I do, um, you've probably seen on some of the videos, I do some Rafael Mendez things. Um, you know, the technical things are, are really fun and challenging um, just for, for a measure. Um, and, and they are an audience pleaser, but not too many of those. Mm -hmm. um, nor do I want to um, torture myself in some of those <laughs> those things, but you know, the Hungarian yeah. Five, and I mean, there's just so many great ones. I just did just did an excerpt on uh, on Facebook of uh, I think it was the uh, Scherzo in D, I think. Oh. And and boy, that was um, that's it looks so simple on paper mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. <laughs> um but uh, yeah so anyway i that and that's sort of how these 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 solos have evolved i'm you know it seems like there's every every piece I, every solo that i approach it seems like there's always one or two bars in, in in it that has this technical part that just spanks me and so i then go and identify those difficult parts uh kind of find something similar in my Arbens or the mm. St. Jacome. Mm -hmm. And then I develop my lesson plans. And so that's, that's how I work my, mm -hmm. my, my daily exercises. And then I go back and I hit these solos again so I don't burn out and I go, oh man, it's so much easier now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just answered the question I was gonna ask. And, and that's great. And so here's another one. Do you use transposition 
as a as a tool for working out technique like the scherzo you know let's play it in a harder key let's put an e flat mm. you, know? you know i did i did a lot of that my uh, jeff burglar had me doing that um i typically will utilize it like when i did the um I did Carnival of Venice uh, a couple of months ago. I performed, mm -hmm. performed the Arbenz version of it. And um, I do the transposition up a step primarily because sometimes the endurance can be an issue, especially when you're on stage. Mm -hmm. And so practicing and getting used to that, what that tension might feel like mm -hmm. and then come back down. Um, but, but, but typically when I'm working through real technical stuff though, it's all about the metronome. It's all about taking it back down to basically zero, breaking it down. It's what I had to do with that darn Clark, um, or the, um, sorry, the Arbenz um, Carnival of Venice was, you know, all through junior high and high school, like every other trumpet player I know, or I knew back then, would, would be dinking around with it. And we created all these bad habits um out of time and and not phrasing it correctly and so i challenged myself to go ahead and perform this and and it it turned out great but i mm -hmm. i had to go to zero i mean i literally went back to nothing and said i'm starting over mm -hmm. um, and it was you know it was really fun really fun um you talk about the endurance aspect of that uh john foster and vince Martino came and did their sound the trumpet program for me at UND a couple of years ago. I saw ago. that. Yeah, I saw the and uh they split Carnival of Venice. They traded mm. phrases. And it was the coolest thing. You know, and I'm yeah. thinking, well heck, if I ever program <laughs> this again, I'm gonna get I'm gonna call you and I'm uh, gonna say, yeah. help me you know, split the phrases. But you know, uh and of course, no ego in that. You know, it wasn't like right. oh, I can play the whole thing myself. Of course, yeah. the both of them could have just smoked it. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I thought, a really neat presentation of that. that I think piece. they did. If I if I remember correctly, and it was posted uh, later, didn't they do the Del Sager's version of? Uh, I don't recall. Okay. I it has recall. the big uh, lip slur op uh, opening, I think, and. Uh, yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah. 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 So, well, um, I, I tell you what, I've, I've been having a blast. I've been looking forward to this interview for a Thank long you. time. And I really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you for sharing everything you did today. Appreciate Great. it. Yeah. Thanks. Anytime. Well, here we are at the end of today's interview. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll come back for more. I'd also like to thank again the sponsors of this podcast, Asina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and S.E. Shires. Their support helps me to continue to deliver these interviews on a regular basis. Be sure to check out their products at MessinaCovers.net, EastmanWinds.com, and SESHires.com. And one final reminder that you too can be a supporter of this podcast by subscribing at Patreon.com slash StudioHFL. Thanks again. Now go practice. <laughs>